Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. I don't know if you, you know, if you, I don't know if you use this expression, but um, I do. Whenever, you know, there's something that you read or somebody says something that you don't understand, um, you, you might use the phrase, it's all Greek to me. Like, you know, you're reading and it's like, ah, it's, it's all Greek to me. Like if you're reading instructions, you got a piece of furniture, you're reading the instructions to put it together, and you don't understand what in the world these instructions are trying to tell you, you know, you might say, it's all Greek to me. Or maybe better yet, it's all Japanese or Chinese, as is usually the case. Because there's things that are hard to understand. And so we use that phrase, there's things that are hard to understand now. This does relate a little bit to Scripture, because sometimes there's things in Scripture that are hard to understand. We've been uh, looking at our beliefs summarized in in the Confessions and Creeds, and we've been on the topic of Scripture for several weeks now, and we believe that the 66 books that are found in the Bible are the inerrant, infallible Word of God. It's authoritative, it is sufficient for all of life and faith, because the Scriptures tell us how to live by faith and tell us how to be saved by faith. They point us to Christ. And, and, and the, the scriptures, though, they're, they're so rich. They're so deep. There's a lot of it. I mean, there's 66 books of it there. And it, it's weighty. And its content is, is, is very weighty. And so sometimes there are some things in scripture that might be difficult to understand. But, you know, that, that's the beauty of Scripture. It, 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 we will never be able to exhaust it while we are here on this earth. We will never exhaust learning something from them. There's always something to learn from Scripture. But the next paragraph in the Westminster Confession and the uh, London Baptist Confession, it, it, it touches upon the fact that some Scriptures... They're not as apparent, maybe, as others. They're, they're a little harder to understand. They take a little bit more time. They take a little bit more energy to understand what it conveys. It, it takes study and effort to grasp some of Scripture. And there's others that it just hits you right away. And, 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 and the, the next paragraph in these confessions recognizes that, and this is what the, the London Confession says about that. It, it says that some things in Scripture are clearer than others, and some people understand the teachings more clearly than others. However, the things that must be known, believed, and, and obeyed for salvation are so clearly set forth and explained in one part of Scripture or another that both the educated and uneducated may achieve a sufficient understanding of them by properly using ordinary measures. And, and so the, this paragraph recognizes that there are parts of Scripture that, you know what, we might be able to understand right on the first reading. We get it. There's also parts of Scripture that are, are not as clear. They, they need a little bit more time to sink in. We need to spend a little bit more time kind of chewing it around in your mind, you know, meditating upon it. Because Scripture... It is the inspired writings of, of the Holy Spirit who inspired several different types of authors 
using several different types of genres, using several different types of styles. And sometimes parts are a little bit more understandable than others. I mean, kind of more immediate. And this is, was even recognized in Scripture itself. I mean, Scripture itself says that there are parts of Scripture that are harder to understand because, for example, Peter, he recognized, first off, we need to know, he recognized that Paul's writings were Scripture. He recognized that what Paul was writing was inspired of God and it was Scripture, but, but he also knew that what Paul was inspired to write was very deep. And it might not be easy to grasp the first time around, so to speak. And, and so what would happen back then, and it even happens today, is that false teachers would take some of these deep, hard-to-understand verses and scriptures and passages, and they would twist them to their own gain. They would bank on the fact that people might not be able to understand it. And so they said, you know what, I'm going to take that scripture and I'm going to insert my own meaning into it so then I could just do and teach whatever I want. We see that today and it was even happening then. So, you know, Peter wrote this in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. And he said, regard the patience of our Lord as, uh, as salvation just also as also our dear brother Paul wrote to you, according to the wisdom given to him, speaking of these things in all his letters. Some things in these letters are hard to understand. Things that, that the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they also do the rest of Scripture. So, you know, he, he recognized that Paul's writing was on the level of Scripture. Um, but then... You know, Peter recognized that, okay, you look at what Paul wrote, and if you just took a very cursory glance at what Paul wrote, I mean, some of these things are hard to grasp at first. And, 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 and these false teachers would take obscure passages and, and twist them to whatever they wanted, their, their, whatever their false teaching is, they would twist those scriptures to, to mean whatever they wanted it to mean, to... to you know, and they'd lead ignorant people astray. I mean, you wonder how some of the false teachers of today can get such a hearing. You know, it's some things that we think are so obvious, and we, we, these people are following the, the, these false teachers, and you're wondering, don't they get it? Don't they understand? Well, well, these false teachers are good at what they do, and they take these obscure passages, these hard-to-understand passages, and they say, well, you know, I know what it means. This is what it means. And it, it just kind of supports their perverted beliefs and doctrines. And, and so, well, here's an example. Paul wrote something in 1 Corinthians 15, 29. And let me read it, and then we can all go, huh, together. Because Paul says, and I mean, 1 Corinthians 15, all this wonderful thing about the, the resurrection and why the resurrection is true and, and things like that. So he, he writes in, in 1529, otherwise, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, then why are they baptized for them? So you look at that and you wonder, what in the world? What, are, what is he talking about? So it's a hard-to-understand passage or, or verse. Well, the Mormons, 
they take this one singular verse. You know, there is not another verse in all Scripture that has anything to do with baptizing someone for the dead. This one little thing. And the Mormons take this one little verse and they twist it to mean that living people have to be baptized for dead people, usually, you know, be baptized for dead relatives, so that they can attain heaven, they can attain their godhood, whatever it is, you know, the Mormons teach. And so, you know, that's why the Mormons are all into that genealogy and stuff. I mean, not, not that, you know, I, I do genealogy, but, you know, the Mormons are heavy on genealogy, so you can get baptized on behalf of your dead relatives, your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. Get baptized for them. I didn't get that. Ooh. Could you try <laughs> That's right. I don't get it either. I forgot to put it on theater mode. How embarrassing. That's okay, Siri. I don't get this either. No. That's what the Mor so the Mormons, you know, that's why they do the genealogy thing, get baptized for your dead great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. So there's, now there is a lot of debate among scholars as to what this verse actually means, but it sure don't mean that. Now one possible explanation actually comes from some of the study notes from the Net Bible. Um, and, and they write that the most likely interpretation is that some Corinthians had undergone baptism to bear witness to the faith of fellow believers who had died without experiencing that right themselves. Paul's reference to the practice here is neither a recommendation nor a condemnation. He simply uses it as evidence from the lives of the Corinthians themselves to bolster the larger argument that began in 1512 that resurrection from the dead is a present reality in Christ and will be a future reality for them. Whatever they may have proclaimed, the Corinthians' actions demonstrated that they had hope for a bodily resurrection. And so that, you know, other scholars have other explanations, um, you know, to give meaning. But the point is that there are verses in Scripture that are hard to understand, and we need to tread carefully, we need to tread prayerfully, and we need to put the effort into studying the context of the passage and learn from those who have studied it. But we have to put the effort into to seek it out for ourselves. I mean, yes, there's things in here we get. But the things in here that we, we don't get, okay, well, let's spend a little time doing a little research, doing a little study, figuring it, 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 it out. But now, you know, I say that. I, use, I say the word study, and sometimes people are like... <gasps> So I want to get this one thing out of the way. It, it, it doesn't matter how educated or uneducated you are. It doesn't matter how high or how low you think your IQ is. It doesn't matter how good in school you were or you weren't. It doesn't matter if you think your mind works fast or if your mind works slow. Whatever your characteristics are, you are able to understand Scripture for life and faith. You do have the capability of understanding Scripture. And for the parts that you do not understand, you can prayerfully ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate it for you, as well as go to available resources to help you in your study. So there is, is, is no excuses that we should come up with for not 
trying to dive into Scripture. If you understand what I'm saying, because a lot of people will say, well, I don't really get into Scripture because I don't understand it. You know what? Get into Scripture, let the Holy Spirit illuminate it for you, and the parts that you still don't understand, just take time and and study it. But the parts you do understand, take it in and do it. Live it out. Now, the, the, the paragraph in the Confession It recognizes that there is one subject that anyone can grasp in the whole of of the Bible, and that is the subject of salvation. The paragraph emphasizes that whatever must be known, believed, and obeyed for salvation is clearly set forth, and anybody and everybody is able to understand it and respond to the gospel message. There is a clear revelation of the gospel that is accessible by everyone, whether it's read or whether it's heard, because we do know some, some people can't read, and so they hear it. Uh, some, you know, uh, cultures are more oral than they are written. So, but whatever, however they receive the word, whether it's heard or whether it's read, you're able to respond to the gospel message. And here, here's, here's the wonder of it all. I've known people who didn't even finish high school that were gloriously saved because they read and they heard the message of the gospel and they responded to the message of the gospel. I also know of people who have PhDs, one or more PhDs, they got PhDs galore, they have read the scripture, they have heard the gospel, and they have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter the level of education when it comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ. It's more so how open is the heart? How's the soil of the heart? Is it ready to to accept it? Anyone can hear the message of the gospel and respond to the message. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and thus has righteousness, and with the mouth one confesses and thus has salvation. Anyone can read or hear and know how to be saved. That salvation comes through Jesus Christ. I also want to note that we do recognize that there are people of different, who have different levels of spiritual maturity. And so, you know, your level of spiritual maturity does have something to do with your level of understanding of some spiritual truths. Um, You know, when when we read or we emphasize, you know, the knowledge of the Lord, we talk about the knowledge of the Lord, you know, we're not merely emphasizing information. Give me data. We're not talking about give give me data. We're emphasizing taking the knowledge and then putting it to work, being obedient to what it is the knowledge leads to. Because... If you read, but you don't do, yeah, you're probably not going to understand anything, a whole much anything else. There's there's people who have been Christians for decades, and they may have a lot of data, but they're not mature. And because they're not mature, because they didn't put the data to work, so to speak, they didn't live it out, they didn't obey, you know, they, they, there's things that they don't understand. 
There are those who have been Christians for merely a few years. They, they read the Word, they apply the Word, and then they receive more truth from the Word. Jesus himself said in Matthew 13, 12, whoever has, more will be given. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll be given more and will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. You know, it's, it's what are you doing with what you have? If, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is, uh, might be looking at you like, look, I, I, I illuminated this scripture over here to you, and you did nothing with it. Why, why do you think I'm going to illuminate this other part of scripture to you so you can still do nothing with it? Do work with what I've already given you, and then guess what? I'll give you more. So this is very true with, with spiritual and scriptural understanding. Again, doesn't have anything to do with IQ, education, nothing like that. What are you doing with what you understand? Um, we do want to emphasize that in order to gain more knowledge and understanding, just put, I, you do have to put effort into getting into the Word. And there is work involved. You cannot ignore the Word for large amounts of time and then do some sort of little devotional reading and then think, oh, I'm so mature now. You know, I'm, spiritual, I'm really spiritually mature. The, the more you get into the Word, the more you will understand. The more you take in of the Word, the more you understand. I mean, that, that does sound just kind of like common sense. I mean, you're not going to learn the Word if you're not actually in the Word. And, and, and so the Psalm 119, 130, the, the psalmist wrote, Your instructions are a doorway through which light shines. They give insight to the untrained. I mean, you have to get into the instructions in order to find the light. You've got to get into the instructions in order to be trained. You have to get in, into the Word for its light to shine in you to gain greater insight. I mean, you can't read a, a two-minute devotional and think that, zap, man, I, I'm just this super mature Christian all of a sudden. You know, the, the, there is this cooperation with the illumination of the Holy Spirit. You know, so if, if you feel like, you know what, I'm very spiritually immature, I'm very spiritually ignorant, then what's your excuse for not getting in into the Word? Well, I just need to be mentored by someone. I need to be discipled by someone. Well, if that someone is worth their salt, they'll tell you, get into the Word. All right? So we just got to stop making excuses and, and get into the Word and, and read it. Now, the, the end of the paragraph that, that I had read, it talks about properly using ordinary measures in order to gain sufficient under understanding. So obviously getting into, into the Word, reading the Word, is one of those measures. Now, a one, a, another one of those measures is sitting at the feet of teachers and who have studied the Word and learning from them as well. I mean, that's something that God has set up. So be it sitting at the feet of a teacher during a sermon or a teaching at church, be it watching a video, Bible study video, sermon video, listening to a podcast of some sort, you know, being under, the, or sitting at the feet, I guess you could say, of those whom God has equipped and gifted to be teachers, 
who the Holy Spirit empowered them to be teachers. Because that's why they, they are there. You, you take in the word for yourself, you put effort into your own study, and then you sit at the feet uh, of teachers and preachers, and you, you learn more. The Holy Spirit illuminates things here, which ought to cause you to want to get into the word more. But that's the whole, that's the whole point of having preachers and teachers and things like that. Because Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13, he, the Spirit, God, he himself gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry that is to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. I mean, that's why God has preachers and teachers and pastors and, and people like that. So that you will, will attain toward that maturity. I mean, God has given us the means to learn and grow and mature and to understand him. Now, will we understand every single bit of scripture in this lifetime? No, but that doesn't give us an excuse to gain more understanding of what is there. That's not an excuse to not seek more understanding and seek him more through his word. Now, the next paragraph in the confession is closely related to this one. Spend very, just very quick time on this and then close in prayer. But it says this, The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the native language of the ancient people of God. The New Testament was written in Greek, which at the time that it was written was the most widely known to the nations. These testaments were inspired directly by God and by his unique care and providence were kept pure down through the ages. They are therefore true and authoritative so that in all religious controversies, the church must make their ultimate appeal to them. All God's people have a right to and a claim on the scriptures and are commanded in the fear of God to read and search them. Not all of God's people know these original languages, so the scriptures are to be translated into the common language of every nation to which they come. In this way, the word of God may dwell richly in all so that they may worship him in an acceptable manner and through patience and the comfort of the scriptures may have hope. So what this paragraph is telling us is that the Old Testament and New Testament were written in those original, original languages that were understood at the time and the original autographs that the apostles themselves and the prophets themselves wrote on, those were the inspired copies of God's word. Now, those original autographs have been faithfully copied for thousands of years. Now, we admit there are copies that have, the copies have minor differences between them. They make up a lot less than 1% of the whole of scriptures, and none of the differences have any theological significance. We have thousands of copies from which we are able to faithfully recreate the original copies, especially with the New Testament, there are over 5,000 Greek manuscripts of the New Testament. And through textual criticism, they are able to near certainty come up with what was the original uh, autographs. Now, the paragraph recognizes, though, not everybody is able to read those original languages. Both literally and metaphorically, it is all Greek to us. Because that's what the New Testament was written in. It was written in Greek. And I'll tell you, Greek is a whole lot easier than Hebrew. Whew. I'm just praying that Hebrew isn't the language of heaven because, mm, man alive, that's going to be rough. But 
and so not, not everyone reads Greek and Hebrew, so the, the scriptures are translated into the common language of the people. You know, the, the old way that it was written in, you know, back in 1689 when that confession was written, the vulgar language. I thought that was kind of funny. Vulgar, but it just meant common. It doesn't mean vulgar like it does today. But these translations that we have, they are considered validly authoritative. And, and through these translations, we have the Word of God that can dwell in us richly, and we're able to live out in faith. We can live out the faith. We can obey its commands. We can receive the hope and comfort that God gives through them. We're able to do that through the translations. You do not need to know Greek and Hebrew, especially here in America, where we have English translations galore. Uh, you are able to find a translation that is faithful to the original language and uh, is, is something that you can understand. It is authoritative. It is scripture. You can trust it. And so knowing that, you can prayerfully go to your Bible, rely on the Holy Spirit to give you illumination, to give you understanding, and in cooperation with your effort of study, you're, you can mine the riches of the Scripture. You can find things. You can learn about God. You can learn things. And I pray we would commit ourselves to that. That's how we're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Coming to a study on a Wednesday night, coming to a, a, a sermon on a Sunday morning, that's good. But you need to dive into Scripture yourself. And if there's things you don't understand, pray for illumination. There's very inexpensive commentaries or, you know, and such that you can get to help. There's study Bibles that are really good that you can help and, and just dive into it. And don't be frustrated with the parts you don't understand. Rejoice in the parts that you do understand and live it out. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry at Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.